Okay. Are you ready? Ready. All right. So today's episode is me and Douglas Allison. Uh, I guess I need to, I got to intro. Douglas is nervous, so I'm trying to make sure I'm not nervous to like balance it out. Um, welcome to this episode of Talks on the John. We're coming at you today with the help of our friends at NASCAR, because sometimes there's really just nothing else on TV. Um, Douglas was my youth pastor in for my last two years of high school. What year did you come here? 2016? I came in 2016. Yeah, so that's when I would have been a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, Douglas played a huge role in um, my growing up and coming to faith, so... He has been a pretty big mentor for me for the last, since 2016, <laughs> three years. Man, it's only three. It feels like it's been a long time. Um, currently the youth pastor at Bible Church of Little Rock. Um, you have four kids. Four children. Um, Kenneth Graham, Matthew, and Levi. Is that all? Is there another one on the way? It seems like there's always one on the way, but I don't know. <laughs> In our family, that's always true. With our, With us... As far as I know, no. Okay, sweet. Um, anything else that you feel like is a big part of who you are? That people should know about me? hmm I don't think so. I don't consider myself to be an interesting person. Yeah. But I do find lots of other things interesting. That's <laughs> so. funny that you don't find... I think you're incredibly interesting to talk to. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had you on here. So, um, I assume so. <laughs> yeah, our conversations are usually... Um, I usually learn at least two things in all of our conversations. So hopefully you guys learn at least two things. Uh, I mentioned in my last one. I don't know if you listened to it at all, but... Um, Not the most recent one. Yeah, I mentioned in it that I... For all the people that think I know everything, or think I think I know everything, rather, <laughs> I was like, this is the one that y'all need to listen to, because it, when we have conversations, it's clear that I don't know everything. Uh, yes, because that's true of everybody, yeah. It is. No one would know it about you through our conversations, but... <laughs> um, so Douglas is nervous about his performance. <laughs> so I've wrote, down our, I've wrote down some topics for us to get into. First, I'm worried I'll put my foot in my mouth <laughs> and get fired from my position at the Bible church. Uh, I won't let them listen to it. Uh, I'm worried about the hundreds of people listening to me, as opposed to the dozens on Wednesday nights. Uh, this is probably closer to dozens. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into anything that matters, do you, are you into like tech stuff at all? Like Tech? Like technological yeah. news and stuff? Yeah. Like the new MacBook specifically that came out. No, I know nothing about that because I'm only mildly interested in things that I might someday use. Ah, and then more so <laughs> in things that are so out of my realm that I know I'll never use them, but they might affect me someday. The newest MacBook is not something I'll have. Maybe in five years. Yeah, that's so kinda, no. I'm more interested in the things that I know I'll never be able to afford. <laughs> right. Which is uh, the MacBook, that the new display comes with it's a five thousand dollar 6k display with an optional thousand dollar stand like just oh that one the magnetic yeah, stand i have heard about that yes golly that's crazy yeah i watched it i watched a video on it last night and i was like that is couldn't justify it but i'd buy it <laughs> <laughs> right um, that is one of those things uh that i don't know much about so we're hitting my lack of knowledge really really quickly yeah i just thought we'd jump right into <laughs> your lack <laughs> to my limits well, I didn't know because I've, I've heard you talk about um, outside of my outside of my stuff. <laughs> well, I've heard you talk, and you used to work with T-Mobile, right? Mm-hmm. So I've heard you talk about like five G and stuff like that that I didn't know about. So I thought maybe right. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I generally keep up with technological news, um, but only sort of on the surface and mostly on the consumer side. Okay. Like, I enjoy programming. If I could have added another major in college. You I like programming? I find it fascinating. Computer science. Oh, it's miserable. <laughs> well, the hardware and the software. <laughs> so I plan to use my kids to learn about some of it. I'll live through some of that. My other lives, I did the paths I didn't take vicariously through them. That's and good. I'll watch, I'll, I'll watch them do it and see how it is. <clears throat> I feel sorry for whichever kid has to do that for you because it's not fun. If when they I, don't, that's When okay. I added electrical engineering, I didn't know that there was so much programming involved. I don't know. I thought it was like oh. a circuits extended, <laughs> like extended don't circuits touch that class. Wire. Yeah, I don't know. You touch this one, don't touch that one. Uh, it's not. There's it's a lot a of programming involved, which yeah. is not fun. Well, everything is. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't understand. There's not just one programming language that works for everything. There's a, like 30 or more. No. There's uh, there's like 30 that I can... Uh, there's no I computer Esperanto. That's pretty dumb. I don't know what Esperanto <laughs> means, but maybe that's the first thing I'll learn. <laughs> oh, there is... Uh, yeah. I don't need to wax eloquent on that. But there was, a, there was an attempt uh, roughly 100 years ago, maybe longer... Uh, to make a universal language that all people would know and speak. For, That's grammatically, for like just talking, syntactically for... perfect, yes, for talking. So it had a, an attempt, it was an attempt at having a perfect set of phonetics matched perfectly with grammatical rules and syntax. It didn't get very far. Interesting. Why, why can't it get Some anywhere? people speak it, I think, though. Really? Yeah, well, people... Why do we need a new language for that? Why couldn't we just pick one and say everybody learned this one? Well, that's what happens. Um, I mean, it seems like the Americans kind of made people do that with English. <laughs> that Everyone happens, else was yeah. like, they're not going to learn our language. In, lingu yeah, in linguistics, <laughs> it's called uh, the language of prestige. So the language of prestige is the language everybody wants to know. Like in the back in the time of the Romans, it was uh, there was Latin, and before that, that was Greek. Today, it's it's English. Uh, in times past, it's been French, it has been Spanish uh, longer ago, it's even been Portuguese, um, and you have pushes for culture that is kind of encased in language, uh, different ideas and concepts for those to be pushed out, and you think about colonialism. Um, and they're there, all about colonialism. There was a, there was a lot of that, so <laughs> that's why you have Spanish being spoken in some places in Africa. Uh, all over Latin America, um, but then English is today. But there are issues with all languages, things right. that are gr grammatically don't make sense. The I before E rule, except things after like C, that. that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. I, the only thing I don't understand about English is when to put the I first and when to put the E <laughs> first. Everything right. else makes sense. I know how to use semicolons and commas, all of it. Well, what I what I learned in taking my linguistics courses is that language tends to evolve. Uh, sort of like water, where it runs to the lowest point, language evolves uh, based on sort of laziness. Whatever is the easiest thing to say, whatever is easier and faster and more efficient with time and the use of your tongue, it will tend that way. But as a, as a culture gets more sophisticated, you'll, you'll see more rules develop because people, it gets more and more elaborate until you get to something like Shakespeare. To, what do you mean to get to something like Shakespeare? Well, you have, uh, like in, in Latin, you have the declension system and the verbal conjugation system. You don't. Okay. No, I don't a have system that. for I nouns and, a, and a, a system for <laughs> verbs, and it's it's codified. So you have you have uh, the the way that people speak it, not just the the vulgar, vulgar tongue of the vernacular, but the way it's supposed to be. 
And people use that to be able to speak with nuance and articulate ideas in ways that allow you to more efficiently distinguish one idea from another idea. So in English, as people's language tends to devolve in a sense that people are more worried about getting basic ideas across, your language tends to devolve and the vocabulary shrinks. Uh, people argue that that's what's happening some in English today, but I think other people argue that it's a good thing because any sort of evolution, progress forward is, is okay. Because you can't, you can't prescribe how people speak. You can only describe how people speak. Right. Because people just do it. Okay. That kind of, I think that makes sense. Maybe. I, I followed it. I can at least listen back to it later and <laughs> see if anyone Maybe. else followed it. Right. Um, I gotta. I need to be nervously like getting on something random and talking about it for two. It works because I'll listen to it. Um, I need to make a. What's the? I gotta say that. What's the word? It's not caveat, but it's like disclosure. Disclaimer. Dis- disclaimer. That's the word I was looking for. Disclaimer that uh, if this audio is bad, it's because I'm doing it on one mic. And there's air conditioning. I think I'm going to get it out, but if it sounds bad, that's why. Won't happen it's again. It's my fault for turning on the air. It's not. It's my fault for not being able to afford two microphones. <laughs> that um, is your fault. I asked for one for Christmas. We're, we're, getting, we're, look, we're looking to get another one. <laughs> so. Um, so I I was, I was wrote this down. I have a list of people and topics, uh, like what I'll talk about with different people that I just kind of, as I think of something, I write it down. Uh, and one that I put both under if I talk to you and if I talk to my dad <laughs> was have you do you know what the parallel worlds theory is I mean I don't think the you're parallel gonna, universe theory maybe also called that like that there are infinite parallel universes and all contingencies are actual in different universes I think you're saying what I'm thinking but I'm gonna explain it in the way that I understand because <laughs> okay. I maybe we'll see <laughs> based on the idea that there's like it's something that has to do with electrons and there's an electron can either when you do something to it it either bounce up or down and it's like 50-50 and there's no way of predicting which it'll do it's just it's right it's kind of the basis for quantum computing and stuff like that too right or hopefully yeah well based with all the knowledge I have of quantum computing combined yes that's probably we can fill one podcast Um, basically um (laughs) The idea that if the electron goes up in one world, there's another world in which it went down, as in all outcomes have. I don't think that that's happening, but I like the thought of thinking about it. (laughs) Right. So when you hear that, (laughs) what does that do to you? What do you, what do you, what do you, I mean. Oh my goodness. I've been trying to like think about how. Because I'm someone, I like to like, I want to address everything objectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't want to say like I don't want to say like I would rather say how does this that scientists or whoever are saying fit with my understanding of God obviously before I would mm-hmm. say how does God fit with this because that doesn't right because if I'm going to fall one way God, or the other God does not fit in the universe right yeah. and I tend to just say well if I if I if it doesn't make sense it's probably something we have wrong 500 years ago we didn't know that the earth revolves or that the universe didn't revolve around the earth so right, right, I'm right, confident right. there's still some stuff we have wrong but um how do you how do so you like look at about can you look at things objectively or is it better to just be like don't just I don't know I don't want to be like closed minded okay anything. well that's that that is interesting uh to have an objective standpoint what people mean colloquially by that I don't that, think you can really be objective but 
Not if you are a subject. I mean, to look at things objectively supposedly means that you're looking at something as it is in itself with no bias. But postmodernism, for all of its the things that we don't agree with uh, that I don't that I don't agree with about postmodernism, it does help to cement the fact that there is a there is a sort of a fallacy in thinking that I, a subject, can talk about something purely objectively. So you got you got Immanuel Kant that tried with his critique of pure reason and his critique of practical reason, which is deeper philosophically than I'm probably able to go. But I've read it deeper than I'm able to go to. So. Okay, so we'll back it up. Um, <laughs> uh, the idea of knowing something as it is in and of itself that you've got. Uh, People who he tried to posit how you can know something. Um, postmodern, like deconstructionists, they they would say that you as a subject, there's there's no such thing as an, as objective knowledge because there's there are no so to, to have I'm no tempted, standpoint is to is it would be to be objective, purely objective. When I but say the no sky is objectively blue, you're saying that can't be true. As they would say to you, it's blue. It appears as blue to you, but the the idea is that subjects are the ones who have who make statements. So a subject always comes with their worldview in tow. So it's your bias. You can't help but bring your bias in it, even in the language that you encode your thoughts in. Right. They have to be they have to be deciphered or decrypted by some by the the person who's listening. So. Uh, even God, in that in that sense, is not objective because God has a viewpoint. He's God. Now right. He sees everything from all viewpoints, um, but God Himself is a subject in these terms. Right. So, thinking purely objectively is sort of a figment. Um, but obviously, what God thinks is right. Man, that just shattered my world. <laughs> ah. Rats. <laughs> what did I mess up? Sorry. Pause the tape. No, it doesn't. It, it, I just let it run. I'm, I'm not afraid of it just being quiet. Um. Yeah, and I'm afraid I'm going to say something that's inaccurate or incorrect, metaphysically speaking, that the Bible speaks to, and uh, I'm going to get it wrong or go against what the church says People, the last 2,000 years. Ah. Nah. No one's going to call you out on it. <laughs> Maybe not. If you if you go back and listen to it and something's really eating you alive, I'll have you back on. You can yeah, just, I can fix my error. We can just have a second podcast where we go over everything and you're like, no, 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 no. Let me fix that. Yeah, truth be told, I, I am reading um, Petrus van Maastricht is a, uh, I think like a German or Dutch theologian from the late 16, or yeah, 1600s. And uh, I've been reading Systematic Theology, which nobody is going to care about. Is listening to this, but I've literally—I don't care what they care about. This is what I've, I've care been about. reading about: the immensity of God, the unity of God, the eternality of God. Speaking uh, of that, right? It caught me. I cause I went to your—I was at youth group on Wednesday. I went as an old person. Oh, yeah. A young girl asked me, "Are you new here?" And I said, "Actually, <laughs> I'm old here." It's like I've already graduated. I shouldn't be you. here. I should be it's kicked like, out. I should be. <laughs> But hey, it was Cade's fault. Cade asked me to come, and then he didn't save me a seat like he said he was going to. He's like, I couldn't. I we'll like, blame okay. that on his dad. I'll blame it on him. Um, but you said, which it's not that I didn't understand this, but maybe I just, you put it in a simple sentence. It said that time and space does not contain God. God contains t- time and space, which was like, just mm-hmm. puts it all. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around not having a beginning. Not having an end is kind of something that you can kind of think about. 
But God not having a beginning really stresses me out. I'm not saying I don't believe it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, that I was, that was like this morning I was reading about. That is what eternality means. So you can, you can think of something being forever. But we, t- we tend to think of past, present, and future. And that's where we, that's where we live. Right. We also understand the con- somewhat the concept of forever, meaning when once somebody is born, their soul, they exist forever. Mm-hmm. They, they, we don't believe in, and I don't believe in annihilationism. The right. idea that somebody, God, just makes something, some a person that came into being, because they're like when they at the after the final judgment, eventually they're just annihilated and made into nothing. They pass out of existence. The Bible talks about a second death. Right. So we can. It's weird and hard to think about living forever into eternity, future, infinite, infinitely. Um, that's hard enough. Because you're like, want to get bored? What do we do? Eventually, we fill the universe, right? Or how does that work? Um, <clears throat> that's hard enough. I think the Earth is getting too full. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> eternity though knocks out both ends of that. It, it says you forever forward and forever backward. Right. So when you when you talk about God's eternity, that's or His eternality, the fact that God is eternal, you are talking about what are classically called his incommunicable attributes, meaning the things about God that cannot be true of us. And communicable in the sense, like how can they be communicated in the sense, like do we experience them? Do we, do we have them in right. any sense? Or the incommunicable, meaning they belong only to God. So we can talk about them. It doesn't mean you can't communicate. Right. It just means that they're not, they don't, they're not things about God that we who are made in his image reflect like we can his love or his grace or mercy uh, or his existence or knowledge we're just we're just not uh, omnish we don't know everything right so god being eternal you if you do not have god's if you do not have something being eternal you don't have any sense whatsoever because people who the atheists some some would argue you know, that, that matter is eternal or it just came out of nothing well, right. the logical problem is nothing comes from nothing. So that means there had to be something, but what was that something? Uh, and that point, philosophers even argue about like what nothing is. Is nothing something? And this yeah. is how we've gone from from like meta like a metaphysics to epistemology to philosophy of language itself. I don't know what epistemology Dang it. is. Metaphysics. Nobody understands what podcast. physics is, but I don't know what metaphysics metaphysics is. Like metaphysics I kind of have a more... general when you say it. I have a sense of what you mean. Okay, like metaphysics, like the what is and how the, the structure of space and time. So, yeah. like, think Roman Catholic transubstantiation. <laughs> yeah, like like uh, the theory somewhat uh, like helped or bolstered by Aristotle's view of physics that like, God's God's Jesus's body can be can be the the bread and the and the wine, his body and his blood. So the accidents, what you see on the outside, are are bread and wine about what it, what the substance is what it actually is it is really literally Jesus' body and blood because that's what Jesus said they take it literally that whole idea is based on an Aristotelian metaphysic which Thomas Aquinas and others had adopted after they rediscovered the writings and were, were, were reading those things they said no these are this is how it is then you have people arguing like mm, hold on a second uh, and they talked more about metaphysics and how these things work and people argue back and forth then, as you got into the Enlightenment, the epistemology became the big deal. How do you know anything at all? 
Yeah. And that's like Kant, Immanuel Kant and David Hume. I read about Kant yes. this summer. I had to take a philosophy class. Right. So that became like a big thing. I don't thing remember if I agreed with him or didn't like what he said, but I did read about him. Right. Okay. <laughs> you don't agree with everything, but it's amazing how one man just in one little one little village, like I think in like Austria or something is where he's from. Just a little professor doting away at his work and he like upended the entire world of like religion and philosophy with the books that he put out. And still today, a lot of Christians think along Kantian lines more than they do along Christian line, biblical lines in, in some really important ways, which I complain about <laughs> too sure. much. Who do, you, who do you complain about that to? <laughs> who hears that and is like, mm, yeah, I agree. Every once in a while comes out with students and it's unhelpful. But Stephen knows. He's heard me complain about Kantian. I'm sure. Stephen always comes out of the woodworks with some random, overly specific thing that I'm like, I feel like you've already had this conversation, and that's the only reason you know what you're saying. (laughs) Some of that's maybe me. I'm sure I did the same thing. Epistemology, and then that, they got so, they got nowhere, so it eventually devolved into, like, philosophy of, well, how you know anything. Then you get postmodernism. It's like, well, you can't know anything because everything's subjective. You bring your bias, so therefore, truth is just what a bunch of people agree on, and oh, I do dynamics of, of that, power actually. and how you how it's a it's an effort uh, at uh, achieving power and dominance over over certain other groups that don't agree. And then it's like, well, that can't be exactly right as far as how it actually works out. So then you whittle it down to philosophy of language and how do you even communicate? We're like we're we're so. Uh, bereft of answers for anything that where philosophy is generally today is that language and how we're even able to communicate so all of these things are open questions still in the realm of philosophy as far as secular thinking goes and people have their different takes but there's not exactly agreement do they ever get answers do you get answers to this stuff eventually or does it just everybody kinda, you can't well you die <laughs> yeah you can't help but have your worldview. so you have functional answers even if you don't have reason-based answers or fully worked out, but that's everybody. I don't like things that aren't based on reason. <laughs> no. They bother me. <laughs> we believe that God does everything based on on a reason that is perfect. We were talking about his eternality, though. Right. The idea is that... Um, if you listen to any of these, they I every time I'll be talking about something and then it'll be 15 minutes later before we actually get to the end. I know. Because I'll have talked about something else entirely. And I can time. tend to go on whatever, uh, long trails. Yeah, I am probably the worst person in the world about that. Right, so we're not going to stop each other. Because I could go on several different ones before I get back to what I was originally talking about. So do you want to hit eternality or do you want to hit somewhere else? Yeah, sure, keep going. If you've got a thought about it, (laughs) let's hear it. (laughs) Well, the the idea, uh, we talked about how either either matter is eternal or or God is eternal. Something is eternal. Right. Because the idea that that that. something would come from nothing, it it is logically contradictory, and there's no theory of evolution that's going to get you there because that's pre-bang. What material was there and how did it get there? Well, when pushed at it, it's not a scientific question. It's a philosophical question. It's even a religious question. Where do we come from? So you have to ask, okay, what, what, what does stretch back into eternity past, infinitely back? Because mm-hmm. it can't be that something came, but you run up against the limits of our understanding, and we can't think outside of time and space. I mean, I, I even in the sentence that you read, I used words that that uh, you that adopt or leverage the ideas of time and space, even to describe what it is. But it's not, because time and space do not delimit God. Right. He God kind created, created time. Yeah. Right. So some people will deal with that for hundreds. That's of years. funny when people say time is a social construct. I'm like, uh, actually, 
it's not. People are saying time is a social construct. I think it's more of a, like an ironic thing to say. Like, okay. I've heard people like say it. I don't know if people actually believe it. I hear people say it. I think they mean it as a joke. I'm sure there is someone somewhere who believes it, but people are dumb. Yeah, I mean, yeah, depending on how far you go. That, that came up in certain epistemological discussions. It like usually comes up right after someone says, is water what? And I'm like, yes, it is. And we're done with that conversation. <laughs> and that's a dumb question. The only thing that makes something wet is water. So, yeah. There are a lot of enlightenment people that would disagree with you. No. Like, Rene Descartes, they, they talked to, he's the guy, he's the guy that, my, that Petrus Van Maastricht interacts with a lot. And because, well, he felt like he needed to. But the Cartesians said that God is pure thought. And so that that immediately limits you on what you're able to talk about with regard to time and space. Um, because thought is, is not contained. It's not something that is constrained by it. Um, but Van Maastricht is working through what that means for us today. How do you, how do you deal with what the Bible says about God working in time and space and doing things? And at the same time, making him pure thought. And if that's true, then where is the universe? In a thought. That's weird to think about. That is horrible. That's where the Bible gives you God's immensity. Meaning, he before before he created anything, there was only God. So meaning this is all, all locations would be God. I guess this is what I really wanted to get to on the whole parallel worlds thing earlier. Yes, which is still back there. <laughs> yeah, like I said, that was like the first thing I brought up. And that was 20 minutes ago. Pardon, please forgive me any philosophers or apologists <laughs> who are like, this dude's garbling up all the stuff that he's saying. The, um, it's been a while. Is there, is there something in the Bible that would suggest to us that there's like we're the only thing God created? Like that there's not... Does that make sense? Like, is there something that would suggest to us that we're the only like there might Earth be universe? Like, even something entirely separate from us, with no connection. Does that make sense? I don't know what the people with the whole parallel worlds thing. I don't know if they think there's uh, some way of accessing that. The, well, the, uh, biblically, I don't think so. I mean, there are there's plenty of of life. In the in the universe God created. If you're going to talk about universe, even the concept of a universe, the the word itself would by itself would denote all that there is, all that is created. So the the premise has to be challenged Did a little we bit. We create the word universe, though. I mean, well, it's an English word. I mean, from, like from Latin. Yeah. I so think. like. Like at the all the all like, of get God united in does God use the word universe or is that just us? Because I mean, we call it the universe, but it's the all of what we understand, right? Right. I mean, now people no, talk I mean, about no, the Bible. The that. Hebrew doesn't have a word for universe, but uh, you have like in the um, in Genesis one one, he created the heavens and the earth. We would say, I mean, a, a translation, some like really paraphrased type translation might reasonably say, in the beginning, God created the universe. So we take right. Hebrew, uh, Genesis 1-1, when it says the heavens, there's a Hebrew word for that, and the earth, Hebrew word for that. We take it to mean that. In Greek, you have uh, like the word cosmos, but that has a really <coughs> wide, what's called semantic range. So it, mm -hmm. means, a lot of, it means a lot of things. And you have to understand from the context. Um, 
In fact, I can't remember what it is in Colossians 1, or uh, Hebrews 1, where it says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I have to look it up, but I imagine it's cosmos uh, in Hebrews 1, uh, 3 or 4, where it says that. So, he upholds the universe. You know what? I will find out. You keep talking. Would that be translated from something that likely just said he upholds everything? Or did we just, I don't know. Okay, in this case, I didn't know what it would be. In Hebrews 1, 3, it says, it's literally, he upholds all things. So you have the word pas, pas, pan, the Greek, which of course you knew. I know, yeah, I knew that already, obviously. Uh, but it says all things. So, it, and literally, most literally, he upholds all, which means in this, uh, pretty clearly in the context, looking at the Greek, all, all that there is. Right. So that verse itself wouldn't, wouldn't uh, tell you that there aren't multiple universes. But it would tell you that it is Christ's word that holds it all up. Would you think that within the space that we understand, that we're the only life? Like observable universe? Yeah, like, I don't think there's life somewhere else in space. You're asking I, if they're aliens? Yeah, basically, yeah. Let's sum it up into a simple question. Do you, you know what? I have written at least journal entries I feel on like that. I asked you this before. You might have... Uh, if I like space, but I don't really understand. <laughs> and a lot of people that study space are not very good with the uh, Bible. Yeah, well, we don't understand it's space. Obnoxious. Yeah, tell yeah, me about it. Great dark matter. Yeah, what the heck is that? We don't know. Do you That's what always annoys me when we talk about how much we know about the universe. It's like, hold on, you don't even know what the space is between the electrons. What do yeah, you call that? Yeah, just, I think... Like ninety five percent of force. what we understand, or something like that. Yeah, the weak that force. That, that's a dumb thing that we have. That clarifies it a ton for me. The strong force, oh, even better. Okay. Yeah, we have this. I don't think those two forces even do anything. <laughs> I think we just made them up. You only have the electromagnetic and the gravity force. The other two are fake. All right. So we keep on getting smaller and smaller, smaller and smaller particles. What? What is the fundamental makeup of space? Because we keep on finding particles that fill it. They That's don't. like string theory, isn't it? Kind of. That's what that talks about. Well, string, yeah. If you could find out, if the you could find that. the things that fundamentally connect the entire universe and manipulate, you you should be able to manipulate one place far, far away from from where you are because they're all connected. Just like oh. you have links in a chain, where you jerk one end, but it's taut. T a u t. So you pull one end and the other end immediately moves instantaneously because they're connected. Right. String theory, I, I, as I understand it, me, the youth pastor who does not study <laughs> physics, as I understand it, um, it's it's the idea that there are, all things are connected, but we, we haven't gotten down far enough to right. what fundamentally connects them, which you, also has to do with quantum theory, I think. Yeah, I, I, th I think it is. I've only I've watched like a few YouTube videos to explain that. Yeah, well, that's good. I wanted to get you out of your depth a little bit, which is pointless. But um, shoot, what was I best? Oh yeah, do you? I have you read any of Neil deGrasse Tyson's books? I have not. They're not theologically good, but he. So the one that I I have actually I have one in my backpack. Um, I haven't started it. <laughs> 
surprise. I, I, I read. I, Color me surprise. I bought the second one, and because I bought the second one, I had to finish reading the first one. It's like the first <laughs> one was like 12 chapters, and I bought it, I think, in April, and I finished it like a week ago. How many pages is it? It's 12 chapters. It's not very long. They're all like 20 to 30 pages. Okay. It's a very short, So you know you're getting the deep, here. dense science there. <laughs> The other book is called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. And it's about equally as big as this. So it's All a very right, small book. Um, All you need to that. know. Dummy's Guide to the Universe. Pretty much. Um, but that, I think it's interesting because he talks about, like, he doesn't, He's. I think he's an atheist. Um, and he doesn't really, I've heard him say stuff about God. He doesn't, he's not a fan. Um... <laughs> But Somebody he literally, exist. he uses, like, biblical lines as, like, chapter titles. Like, one of them is called Let There Be Light and stuff like that. Oh, sure. Somewhat yeah. ironically. Well, he goes back, and in his explanation of the creation of the universe, he still starts with, like, particles or atoms or this or that, and he doesn't explain where those came from. Right, because eternality is unscientific. Exactly. So he, That's like... A philosophical question. He just, he's just like, so these particles start doing that, and I was like, wait. And then he goes on to explain it, and he's like, literally what he describes is that within seconds, light expands all the way across the universe. And I was That's like, how it happened. I was like, well, I believe that. We, we have that written down in a different book. Right. Um, That's the whole question. Where did the, who is the first cause? Which is why, like, I talked to some people the other day, they were like, well, I believe in the Big Bang Theory, but she was like, <laughs> she was like I don't believe that Adam and Eve could have been the first two humans because, like... She's like, look at the royal family and, like, incest and how much that messes people up. And I was like, I don't think, I was like, I don't, I haven't studied that myself. I was like, I'm just confident that uh, if there's a God that created the universe, that uh, he knew what he was doing. He figured figure that could, one out. That's exactly, I think Dag the words I used. only started with two. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I think there's, I was also like, I think it's something to do with getting down this far is, I don't know. I don't really understand. I think your genes are too close together, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, there's so many unanswered questions. I don't science know. Can, science will do the best job it can getting, uh, extrapolating back from what, where we are now to what, what sets of circumstances, materials, and events would have led to this place that we are now. Exactly. But it can never get behind those first, those first particles that were there. Right. Which begs the entire question, because what what they purport to do is take you all the way back to the beginning, but they get you right up to right up to after the beginning, right. or right up to the beginning. They get you to a very specific infinity past, starting point, which means they get you not to your de- destination. Exactly. Um, it's like telling you telling me you're going to fly me to Great Britain, and uh, you jump me out, dump me out of the plane, hundred miles off the shore. Yeah, that does seem unfortunate. <laughs> That's what science... The it at least puts you like 100 yeah. miles inland. Well, when, when they try to tell you that that's where they're going to take you, or even saying we can figure this out by looking at where we are and actually extrapolating back, you don't get to eternity past. That's impossible. Right. Didn't make by definition, sense. unless you hold from the beginning a presupposition that there is an infinite regression of events which is logically unfeasible. It's untenable. Nobody holds that. Yeah, you can't, you can't write that down. That. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't work. Actually, I'm just going to use this as a segue to a different topic. Um, 
in, in the same day that I was having that conversation about uh, Adam and Eve, <laughs> mm-hmm. I there we had so we we had a uh, like a call them bucket preachers because one bucket of them preachers? one of them stood on a bucket one time on our campus and preached. This, oh, this, oh, yeah, this particular yeah. one just okay. had a sign. He didn't have a bucket. <laughs> um, but his sign, <laughs> it was pretty rough. It was like one side said Jesus saves from like in big red letters, hell with fire. And then the other sign was like, <laughs> it was like the fearful, the wicked, TV watchers, porn watchers, TV fornicators. Watchers. Yeah, sports lovers. Got a lot of people. Um, <laughs> pleasure seekers, wife beaters, husband revilers. Uh, a lot of things that puts me in the same category as a wife beater. exactly uh, and, and then it said that they were going to hell or they had to repent or go to hell or something like that Goodness. and so there were a lot of people congregating and it's like 50% people making fun of them and 50% like Christians right. that were like dude this is not great please stop misrepresenting Christ <laughs> yeah. yeah and so I was out there for like an hour and a half uh, <laughs> believe it or not it didn't sound like something I would do at all <laughs> Um, I used to have them come right before philosophy, my philosophy classes. Mm-hmm. I majored in philosophy and Spanish, and you know that. But uh, I, we used to have those preachers come springtime when there were all the flowers and everything was blooming, and they would come to the campus. And I, always, I for a couple of semesters, would have them come and then have a philosophy class right after, sometimes in metaphysics or whatever. And uh, my classmates enjoyed making fun of them. They were also the loudest ones yelling at them outside. <laughs> yeah. And then coming inside and talking. Well, he he was trying to, we were talking to him about it. And he was like, he kept like saying like, no, I don't necessarily believe it, but it's working. Like people are here. But then he would also like say something that suggested that he believed it. And I was like, either way. It's like, if you believe it, it's bad. I was like, if you don't believe it and you just put it on a sign to get people to come talk to you, it's really not great. That's not the best pragmatism in no. the world. Um, and I was like, also, these people are uh, fun. making fun of you pretty openly. So I was like, it's not. I wouldn't say it's working. I would just say they're here. Um, but he, at That's one point, I tried to say something along the lines of, uh, basically, I'm going to ask you a question because I don't know the answer to it. As far as other religions are concerned, are there other um, gods that, like, actively seek out or want creation? Like, are there any that love their creation in any way like this? I tried to say that... Religions where there is a Like, it doesn't seem like there's other religions where there's a good god. (laughs) Oh, but that's often bad or... Yeah, like, or just like a law. Serve me, or just that, so but not a huge mercy. <laughs> yeah, workspace salvation, basically, right. where you got to do certain things to be saved, as opposed to just trusting in somebody. Well, and even like it seems like it's either I will grant you this good thing, or you're gonna have to do this bad thing. It doesn't seem like the other ones involve I want to spend eternity with you and you with me. Kind right of out thing. of plan. Yeah, the big three monotheistic religions, uh, uh, Judaism, Islam, or Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, you know, it's it's a God sourced from some of the same basic texts with just different scriptures. So the uh, Jew, uh, Jews only take the Old Testament and some of them just the law. 
Christians take the Old and New Testaments, and then you have the differences in like us and like Roman Catholics, Protestants and, and Roman Catholics who have the Apocrypha, and then some, and then they have the Pseudepigrapha, the Pseudepigrapha which they rely on more, but it's not sacred. Uh, but say the Old New Testaments, and then and then Muslims who take the Quran in addition to the Bible, and uh, all of them talk about the God of Abraham. Uh, but we we construct our theologies about that God from different texts, so we come up with different right. answers. So you get Jews, and you have all the different uh, groups of Jews and the different beliefs that have come down to, to where we are today. Muslims, obviously, starting Muhammad and coming down, and and the two big camps, but obviously lots of other camps. So, but you have that God. We would say that Allah is not is not the is not the God of Abraham. He's not the God that Jesus is. We, we have a fundamentally different view. So understanding of what his relationship to us is different. As far as other religions, I, I there are, there are lots of them, obviously. So it's hard to you don't want to paint with too wide a brush. Anecdotally, so not saying that I know this is true about all of them, but anecdotally. From, from the things that I have looked at, you either have a God that is impersonal, like a force. Sort of uh, like yeah, I did have to talk, the same person that was talking to me about Adam and Eve was talking about that. She's like, I think God just kind of sets everything in motion and only intervenes when he has to. And I was like, when does he have to? And she's like, well, like with Hitler. And I was like, ah, God this is a, there. not a yeah. good theology. He couldn't see do something earlier? <laughs> I was like, yeah, he had to wait until it seems rough. Right, let me let a few million people die first. Right. Yeah, that's you know, that sounds like deism or open theism. I think that's God what she said. She future. eventually called it was deism. That's right. Like, so that's not. impersonal. You've, you've got that, and that's popular during the Enlightenment, obviously. Um, but you have other gods. Sorry. Do you have other I gods? I love how I, the, just the times you choose to use the word obviously are so different from when I would ever use <laughs> Well, I'm not necessarily <laughs> trying to teach people things, and I don't want to sound like I am trying to wax eloquent. Because we're talking here, no. and normally I feel like I have more time to like talk myself you have into sense. All the time in the world. Uh, so, I think of like Incan traditions, Aztec uh, traditions or religions, stuff that I studied when I was studying Spanish specifically, and then other um, other things. You like you have, you have Roman mythology, Greek mythology, you have Norse mythology. Um, then you have your far, your far east, uh, your far eastern religions. Um, either they have m basically glorified men that with just features or characteristics exaggerated, uh, men and women. Um, but Is that they're like basically Greek and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and not just them, uh, not just Greek and Romans, but also Norse, the Norse right. mythology, Thor. where we get Thor. And Bluetooth, actually, the name for Bluetooth comes from really? some of that history. Yeah, no idea. Uh, not all that's mythological either. I don't think I can't remember. But Bluetooth was a marriage of two people who should never have had a union, which is why we get that name, Bluetooth. And it's a rune, a Norse rune. Is that you didn't know that? The no, symbol? this is all. <laughs> there you go. That's the second thing I learned. <laughs> Forget that. Uh, Route number two. Um, Anyway, uh, so you have that. I think about the Incans and, and how uh, you know somebody supposedly had a, a staff. I forget the name of these of these things because they're they're strange and hard to remember. But they threw that something down. Doesn't usually stop you. No, 
but they and they you know they they, they established the Incan people and uh, that was how they did it. But they kind of were standoffish from there on out. The Aztecs, or the the Nahuatl the people, uh, they have all sorts of like bloodthirsty gods who were who did interesting things. Um, and even the Mexican flag is a, a, about a story uh, about how Mexico City was founded, and uh, what the, what the Aztec people took to be a sign that they were gonna they were gonna do all right. Mayans are kind of I don't know I can't remember theirs I don't know if we know theirs very well. And then the the Olmec the Olmec people Olmecas before them, who are famous for having like really big lips and wide faces and all their statues really interesting exaggerated features, but they're they're just those things like what would historically be called like pagan peoples. Mm-hmm. They either have gods that are that are just exaggerated that have exaggerated characteristics and they're just men and women basically. Or they are gods who have like lived back in the distant past and did something and started it and now here we are. Or some kind of dualism, where there's this great dichotomy of a wage a war being waged in good and evil that uh, is kind of really being waged out there, and we're kind of the result of some of that, and we're supposed to fit into that story somehow. But it changes based on which culture you're in. And then others that are purely more impersonal. Like uh, like Hinduism or Buddhism, they kind of get this idea of nirvana or this nothingness and being one with those kinds of things, which are strange, but they're impersonal ultimately. So uh, Christianity, for what it is, when you get down to some of the basic characteristics of it, isn't is entirely unique, especially when you think about the Savior coming, who is who is God. Coming to die. It is entirely unique, or is as it far as I know, there's no message okay. like the gospel that we have. Right. The story. I mean, you can't. the The Bible, as a work of literature, is unparalleled. It's not even close. There's nothing right. even close. The the unity of the message from Genesis to Revelation, and the diversity of authors, of texts, of stories, is absolutely incredible. That's why you can study it all the time. And never, right. I never even think about exhausting it. I used to think, man, if I just keep reading, I'm going to get bored with it. And it's not like that at all. It's as, it's simple enough for a child to understand, but profound enough that you can swim in it forever. Yeah, and I even, yeah, I, like even little stuff, like I'll see that with like verses I've read my whole life that like even now I'll pick one up like, oh, how did I not see that before? Right. No, I've read, I've read the Bible. It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I preach, I, you know, I preach different books of the Bible to the students in general. And I've done Exodus and Mark and Jonah and now I'm in Nahum. And I've read the Bible through, I don't know, 31. I've probably read it through like 15, 18 times, something like that. Um, and other parts more carefully than other than others. But I come every single week. I would I would have thought 12 years ago, well, eventually you'll just kind of get used to it. But I, every week I come expecting to find things I've never thought of before. And I have all sorts of reasons that I could talk about for a long time, but I don't want to truck You're welcome. Podcast. You're welcome to it. I'd <laughs> love for you to truck my podcast. No, you don't. <laughs> if I don't have to think of things, it's even better. Oh, you know I can talk forever. <laughs> I do know that. That's why you're on here. <laughs> Right. The people that give me the easiest job are my favorites. <laughs> right. I can make this easy for you. Uh, 
one thing I did that was it was actually the main thing I wrote down or the first thing I wrote mm-hmm. down uh, in talking to that guy his whole thing was that if you watch TV you're spending your time on it instead of spending it reading your Bible praying evangelizing and you're loving it more than God and I was like so as long as you don't love it more than God is that okay like you just don't make an idol out of it oh this is the preacher yeah sorry and he was like well you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and so I was I don't it seemed like he backed himself kind of into a corner (laughs) I was like so can you not love anything else at all I was like, which I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure I have a great answer for that, but I didn't think he did either. So that was my trick. Dumbass. Because, I mean, I was, we're supposed to, like, love our kids and all that. So I was like, you can't. It's not that we can't love anything else. But I want to talk to you about, in your mind, what does it mean to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength while also having other things in your life that you're obviously going to love? Is it possible to do? To, or is it one of those things kind of like we're called to be holy like he is holy, but obviously we can't do that. We just strive for it. <laughs> so we just give up from the beginning. No, yeah. yeah, that's what... Fail. I mean, in the, I mean the, a helpful question to like stir more conversation and thinking would be to ask what does it mean to... What is it going to mean to love, love him with all that we are right. in heaven and the new heavens and the new earth? I think that's my question to you. Because we're going to... We're going to... We're going to, and Jesus did. Right. So we have an example of a person who did it without fail 100% of the time. Every single breath was breathed with reference to his Father, in Jesus' case in particular. And Paul talks about the power of Christ working powerfully within him, um, and all, and what he does as well. That power of Christ has got to be has got to include, you know, the fact that he's regenerated and the Holy Spirit is helping him working like he is in the church. Um, but it's also got to mean that same, the same thing, the same way that Jesus lived. The power to do that is is the power that I have now as a result because, due to my relationship with him, my relationship with God through Christ, which means my relationship with Christ, the Son, with God the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be doing it. Um, okay, specific question. Which What do you want me to answer? Because I have lots of thoughts. I can go one way I'd like to go, but you can tell me. Go that way. way. Just go that way. <laughs> John Michael's cringing. Like, why did I bring this guy on here? Okay, <clears throat> I would say first got to define what love is. Uh, and I, otherwise you just get into hopeless miscommunications and, and detours. On where you go. Conversations in general nowadays, but. Right. So I would say, well, I mean, first John, tell, we're told that in this, and by this we know love. Uh, well, let me read it instead of trying to quote it because I'm blanking in my head. We know love basically because Christ died for us. And uh, it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. This is First John 4 9. Right after it says, God is love. And this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Um, Love, 
the the fact that Christ came and died for us is the ultimate expression of love. But we know that Christ didn't, and and so we have movies that that have that that, glor- that glorify that, like the the Savior who comes and sacrifices himself or herself. Mm-hmm. Oh, like uh, what's his face, Iron Man in Avengers. Which do you like that movie? I love that movie. Okay, so he dies. And he had a little hologram after. Well, this is a spoiler episode. Crud. <laughs> it's been out for Surely a long time. Surely people can see that. I took forever I'll to put see it. it. I'll put it in the bio. You know, I, I saw that movie a week after <laughs> it came out, and it got spoiled for me in the bathroom before. No, it didn't. Like, I went to the bath. I had sat down already, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to pee before, before the thing. And my pastor's kid, Grant, okay, he was in the bathroom. He's like, oh, dude, what's up? I was like, hey, man. And he was like... I can't believe Iron Man and Black Widow died. And I was like, ah, yeah. Oh, my word. Can't believe it either. <laughs> <laughs> I avoided spoilers, but I I only get to really watch movies. Like, my wife wouldn't watch that movie, so she really? doesn't like that kind of stuff. She likes other stuff, and I like that stuff, too, so I'm fine. But I can only watch that kind of stuff if I'm, like, sick and laid out of my bed. So that was months and months after it came out, and that's when I saw it. So I don't think anybody should be bothered by that. No. Anyway. It's been out a long time. It's on Netflix now. Please like, forgive me. Or it maybe is. it's on Disney Plus yeah, or, or maybe both. maybe now. I don't know. It is it's, on Netflix. It's on I think one it's or on, the other. Yeah. It's been on Netflix, anyway, forgive I think, me. it's on Disney Plus. Who I, who am a TV watcher, which puts me in the same category as a wife beater, apparently. <laughs> which I do not do. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he dies and that's it. That's That's it. And of course, there's a whole like cosmology and metaphysic and, and the Marvel universe that they deal right. with. But he has a hologram after, and it's like, well, that's it. He's gone. There's nothing else. Um, which is sad, ultimately. And you respect what he did, and you know, it was loving, it was heroic. But with Jesus, it's not that. From the beginning, he knew, he says it like at least three times in Mark, we're told, and in the other Gospels. That he's going to die, he's going to be betrayed, he's going to hand it over, he's going to be beaten, mocked, killed, and then he's going to rise again after three days. He knows. And Hebrews 12 tells us that he did it for the joy that was set before him. That's why he endured the cross, despising the shame. All that. So Jesus' love includes not only his death, but his life with us afterward. Which right. is really important. It's different from this, than just the tragic hero who dies for something. Which is loving. So I, I think is another thing that separates Christianity from anything else. Right. Because if I think there are maybe other religions where someone dies, but not where. Oh sure, there's death everywhere. Yeah. Right. But there's not anything exactly like what Christ did. God Himself. I mean, Emmanuel, God with us. That stuff's crazy. Right. Um, so I I define or take as a working definition for love, ultimate love what you live for or what you would die for okay so which seems to be along the idea, along the lines of first John 4 God right. the Father is not going to die in the sense that the Son did and the Holy Spirit didn't but they ultimately God's love shown to us is in bringing us into life with him bringing us back into life with him out of the out of the depth out of the despair of sin and the, the darkness of enmity with him so Christ came, and the way he loved us is by dying for us, uh, but so that we could have life with him forever, in eternity future. So me, what love looks like now uh, to God is me living for God, 
Which, shout out to Petrus Van Maastricht for giving me the, the best definition of theology I have ever seen, which is that theology is the doctrine of living for God through Christ. Anybody who's been talking to me much lately is going to be like, I know he's going to say it at some point. <laughs> if Cammy listens to this, she's like, okay, I knew he was going to say it somewhere. It's funny. The doctrine of living for God through Christ. I do that. If I, if I learn something, I say it to like everybody. This I is defining... probably repeat things on this podcast several times. I don't know. I don't listen to them back enough. Well, that definition is defining, redefining the way that I think. It is an anchor that holds pretty much everything together so far. And I can make it all connect around that biblically. I can't imagine having to redefine everything you think. It is. You think you think a lot of things. <laughs> it, is, it is an awesome. It is an awesome sentence. I imagine I what he means. John Piper was young at one time, and this is what I imagine he had to be like. <laughs> I think this sentence beats. Uh, God is most satisfied in us when we are most. Oh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Put that here publicly. Wow. I think this sentence beats that because it includes that. He means that. Van Master does. Uh-huh. Uh, he means that, but he also it also says more than that. When you unpack the meaning of that sentence, Maastricht has has like the seed form of what Piper's whole life and ministry message is based on in his book, which is and you can trace it. Matt Van Maastricht wrote his stuff and died, and then John Edwards comes along and wrote his stuff and said that Van Maastricht was the best stuff he's ever read. Uh-huh. It beats out Turretin and some other people that he would have read. He said it's the best books in the world, except for the Bible. And he writes, you know, his treatise, The Unforged God Created the World, which anybody who wants to think deeply about God should read. I think you've probably recommended it's come up in conversations. It's free times. PDF online. I don't. I think you sent me part of I it. I have. Once. I have. It. And you told me to read like 116 <laughs> pages, and you're like, "They'll change your life." And I was like, "Man, 116 pages. That's it's not, not worth that it." When you read it for your whole life, but then I was like, "Man, I think you long. told me it wasn't worth it." <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, not a lot of things worth 116 <laughs> pages to me. It's dense. Jonathan Edwards was not easy to read. But then John Piper, you know, he's moti- he basically rediscovers Jonathan Edwards for our generation, his generation, and he a lot of it's from that, from that treatise, which Edwards is pretty open about saying, look, my stuff that I'm getting, I am trying to capitalize on what Van Maastricht said. Right. Oh. And, you know, Piper, I, who I love what he does, <clears throat> he just takes the smallest part of it, a great part of it, because I agree with his sentence. And he's, he can spend his whole ministry on it. It has never stopped. And he can connect everything to it. And like that's, I agree with it. And it's amazing. Van Maastricht has like a bigger thing that you can you can connect more things to and balance out what people are worried about Piper being too like hedonistic uh, in a bad way and not in a biblically balanced way. And it makes it God centered. It makes it through Christ. It makes it heaven and the Holy Spirit. It's Trinitarian. It is historically and theologically and biblically, like, sound. It is awesome. Uh, but I dovetail. Love, what you live for. That, that is... Is there the a difference key. in dovetailing and rabbits trailing? Maybe. I don't know. What I dovetailed into... Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back and then go back the other way. Oh, um, well, maybe that does... I can kind of see how that makes sense. Maybe. I'm just talking. Anyway. <laughs> so love, what you live for. Um, or what you're willing to give your life for. I think that's another way to say it. What am I giving my life for? God in, in His command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying you, your life is not just about you. You don't live your life with reference only to yourself. Right. You live your life primarily with reference to me. 
But that means, I'm telling you from the get-go, that that means you, in living your life with reference to me, with all that you are, with everything that you think, everything that you do, everything that you believe, it is that that means you living your life. I'm telling you, considering your neighbor as just important and worthy of being treated well as you are. And for them to go that way, that means for them to experience all what is good and what is joy, what is happiness. That means that they need to have that for me as well, which is going to include truth telling as opposed to lie telling. So telling people things that aren't true to make them feel better is not love. So God, God establishes that kind of standard. Right. So when I watch TV, uh, like we watch Wheel of Fortune, uh, if I watch Netflix or something, or I listen to a John Michael's podcast. Yeah. Sorry, every one of you listening, this is going to hell. <laughs> podcast listeners, it wasn't on the sign, it was implied. Yeah, I passed over Al Mohler's The Briefing or uh, a Truth for Life podcast, you know, to listen to figure out what on earth I'm about to be doing <laughs> here today. And I think it's possible to do that with reference to God, not least because I want to honor Him in the way that I talk to you in front of dozens of people. And that matters. And it also is respect and love for you to not to not just come in here and try to take over. Right. Stand in a bucket and yell at the microphone. Yeah, I don't need a bucket. I'm playing loud without a bucket. <laughs> right. Also, he tells us to rest. So I did. I told him at rest. the end of it. By the end of it, he put a sign away, and he was like, he was like, okay, so I'll quit trying to justify the sign. And he, we talked for a while. Me and there were probably ten of us by the end of it that were all. Basically, just... Actually talking? Yeah, just talking wow. to him. Uh, and I mean, I, at the end of it, like, when he was leaving, I, like, shook his hand. And I was like, listen, man, I was like, maybe not how you expect things to go, but I was like, I think Christ is glorified here. And, like, I think... I was like, I, I appreciate you being out here, even if... I was like, you, I don't know the perfect way of doing it. And I was like, getting it wrong doesn't mean nothing good happens from it. And so, like, I don't know. I don't know if he's been back or if he'll be back or anything well, like that, but... Yeah, he's definitely wrong in the sense that we're told to live godly and quiet and peaceable lives. We're commanded that. So we're not we're commanded to not make a huge din in the culture. Sorry, din is probably a British word. Uh, we're, not, we're commanded not to make like chaos, cause chaos in our culture oh. by what we do in the sense that we intentionally wreak havoc. Showing the love of Christ to each other and, and declaring it to the watching world will cause enough havoc. We like Makes the, sense. We're in Acts, you know, he the, kept the, bringing are, up, the Christians are turning the world upside down. One thing that kind of upset a lot of us, he kept bringing up, he's like, well, the Bible says the natural man will turn away and will want nothing to do with this. And I was like, that doesn't, that's... So he was basically justifying the people that were turned off by his sign by saying the natural man is turned off by God anyway and I was like yeah but I was like we're not supposed to really encourage that right like, he's making himself a litmus test when yeah when that's a pretty natural thing to do to put himself front and center right I was like I just don't think that this is really what we want <laughs> uh, ultimately he, he was like yeah okay the sign was not a good way it's like, okay. Yeah. You also don't find it modeled anywhere in the Bible. He had reasonably sound theology once in a while, and then I was like, like I was like, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. I agree with that. That's good. One guy came in was like kind of, I'll say, arguing. It's so not really what we were doing alongside me, and then we were kind of both talking, and he said something about like 
not being saved until you're baptized. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not with that. That's not me. I was like, disagree. This, is, if anybody wondered how we have different church denominations that have developed, that is how. I was like, that's not true. And I don't agree with that. And then I accidentally brought up, um, accidentally, you did quote not. unquote. <laughs> it was not really an accident. A Freudian slip. Someone, someone threw out something in, that involved me returning with, well, do you think once you're saved, you're always saved? <laughs> and they like, their faces like shifted. They're like, uh-oh. They're like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know about all that. Like. I was like, I don't know about all of it, but I was like, that's what I... So you briefly joined together, and then by the end you were splintered back. Then I, I, sp- I sent them off on their own. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I think, I was like, I don't remember what they were talking, they were basically talking about what repentance means and all this stuff. Right, right. And I was just saying that, it, like, obviously repenting doesn't mean you never sin again. Um, and somehow that got into once saved always saved and I was like I think you are and I brought up that verse I think John 10 uh, I had to google it of oh course, no one snatch him out of my father's hand yeah that's the one yeah, um, yeah it's a good one yeah but we kind of skewed away from that right. a little bit quickly which I was like it's a big thing we don't have I was like Christians don't all agree on it anyway so no. I was like we're not gonna there have been enough arguments over the years yeah it's exactly. not surprising that his theology was okay in some places, because it only takes a little bit of right. a, getting a little bit of skew for your trajectory to be totally messed up, which I assume an engineer knows a lot about. An engineer and someone who bow hunts knows a lot about <laughs> that. It doesn't take much at yeah. the beginning to get your end results pretty far off. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to BB Warfield. I think he was he was one of the, who put it in one of the most succinct ways that I'm going to butcher, but he said something like. Your methodology is defined by your theology. So the, how you practice your Christianity is going to be defined by how you how you put it together, theologically speaking. So the way your 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 praxis comes from your your practice comes from your beliefs. So if you have a little bit of a little bit off from what is biblical in your and what you believe, you're eventually down the road going to be a lot off in the way that you practice your Christianity. Right. That makes sense. It's why we need to focus on the Bible for that, to be constantly checking what we do. Right, which I actually, I think I mentioned that guy. I was like, this is, I was like, if, I was like, if nothing else, it was good because all of us talked about our beliefs again and like, mm-hmm. it made us check ourselves mm-hmm. and what we believe and why we believe it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think there's good in that too. Um, I think, uh, do you have any final thoughts? We're a, a little over an hour now, so. Yeah, and then you get me. My last one was an hour and a half, so at this point I'm paying the two extra dollars for the extra hour or whatever anyway for the month, so. <laughs> you already are? Yeah, I pay, I pay like, I pay for six hours a month, I think, which coincidentally works out to every five days an hour-long podcast, which is how I do it. That but um, I go over an hour almost every time, so. I've noticed that. Yeah, I can't help it. I can't imagine. I'm not. That. I'm not willing to stop a conversation that's going. Oh, sorry, time's up. <laughs> I can always talk. My problem is not ending conversations in a timely manner. That is one of my many faults. You mean like taking too long to end them? I talk past the point of usefulness. Nah. <laughs> nah, not for me. <laughs> maybe, maybe to some. Pe- there are times when we'll talk, and there will be a point. <laughs> Where I'm like, I'm still just kind of absorbing the last thing you said. 
like what you're saying is still making sense, but I'm still processing it. Right. I was thinking you said uh, kind of a sentence earlier, like, or a paragraph, I don't know. And I was just in my mind correlating it to how when someone speaks in Spanish, I'll hear one word that I understood and be like, oh, I got water. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel with your English every now and then. It's fine. English. A good thing we're speaking in English. But for the most part, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that is, if any of my small group guys listen to this, which they probably won't, maybe at least Steven. This is what I'm talking about. Steven better listen. About discourse, trying to figure out, trying to teach people how to have constructive conversation. Because when you talk about things that are good, you might both know what you're talking about, but you're connecting, right. you're connecting truths, ideas in different ways. Right. And whenever I talk, and we talk about something that brings up something that we talk about for a while, it's not just that I'm reciting something that I've thought about before, I'm stating it in a way that is that it has context. Mm-hmm. And so it's new to me the way I'm doing it. And then that, that branches out and connects to other things that I think or know. So what, what I'm saying out loud are the things that are striking me as interesting connections between things that are true. Right. Um, because my understanding of truth is necessarily dynamic and not static because I forget things. And because the way where I locate and how I prioritize different things that I believe to be true shift according to how clearly and biblically I'm thinking. So you can talk and you can begin to connect things and you can go for a long, long time. You could theoretically talk forever. I bet you could. Theoretically, you could. I don't... Yeah, I could probably outlast quite a few people, but... <laughs> I thought Joe Rogan can do three or four hours, whatever he does. Yeah. I think some of them... Some of them are definitely three and a half. I think there's a couple that are four. The Neil deGrasse Tyson ones are always long. Right. Of course, that's all working through content. You can also work with what you do now and right. work a long, long way from that. I can probably talk place. to Neil deGrasse Tyson for four hours pretty easily. Right. See, but I believe that postmodernists don't because I believe that all truth is connected and, and contingent and dependent on God, not something that is made up. But that's my pre-modern I'm trying to think system. if I understood what you were saying. That's okay. We need to be done. Yeah, we do. Do <laughs> uh, you have any closing thoughts or points or whatever? No, God bless yeah. all of you for listening oh, to this. Yeah, for real. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. So, uh, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>